I'm gonna lead with peace today. Yeah, I'm gonna lead with peace today. I'm gonna lead with peace today and see it rise. I'm gonna get down to the river. I'm gonna take up the revival. I'm gonna lead with peace. Lead with peace today. Sing it with me. I'm going to lead with peace today. Yeah, I'm going to lead with peace today. I'm going to lead with peace today and see it rise. I'm going to get down to the river. I'm going to kick up the revival. I'm going to lead with peace. Lead with peace today. I'm going to shine my light. I'm going to shine my light today yeah, yeah I'm, I'm gonna, gonna shine my light today i'm gonna, gonna shine my light today and sing it rise i'm gonna, gonna get down to the river gonna, gonna take up the revival i'm gonna shine my light Shine my light today. Walk my blues away. I'm gonna walk, walk my, my blues away. Yeah, I'm gonna walk my blues away. I'm gonna walk my blues away and see it rise. I'm gonna get down to the river. Gonna take up the revival. I'm gonna walk my blues away. Walk my blues away. I'm gonna lead, lead with peace today. today. Yeah, I'm gonna, gonna lead with peace today. I'm gonna lead with peace today and see it rise. I'm gonna get down to the river. I'm gonna take up the revival. I'm gonna lead with peace. Lead with peace today. I'm gonna lead with peace. Lead with peace today. One more time. I'm gonna lead with peace. Lead with peace today. All right. <laughs> Song by Lydia Violet Hartunen. Thank you, thank you. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to the Microcollege Podcast. Today is a very special edition. Um, one of the things that, that's been so fun about this podcast project is I get to talk in length and depth with some of my heroes. And today we're talking with Liz Rock, who is way up there on the list of my heroes. Back um, at you, Jacob Hunt. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. And also joining us is friend, neighbor, teacher, parent in our community here, local leader, uh, Amy Arnold. Thank you for joining us, too. Yeah, thanks. Glad also to one here. of my heroes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> two, two very powerful women and uh, inspiration to, to many, many people here. Um, to, we're here today to talk about music and about singing and... Um, and the powerful connection to music and community. Um, Liz Rog uh, has been coming here probably longer than 10 years, but Liz Rog came into my consciousness about 10 years ago uh, when she came over from her home across the Mississippi River, um, our kind of sibling city in, in, uh, in Iowa, Decorah, Iowa, um, who came in, and she came into a, uh, a Day of the Dead festival at the Youth Initiative High School, where I was a teacher at the time, and started teaching these amazing songs, which have, um, 10 years later, have been been building on each other. We've been teaching each other songs and spreading them around the world, and uh, my hope is with this interview, we'll spread them even farther around the world. So, mm -hmm. thank you. Um, lots of things to talk about here, but here on the podcast, we always start with people's biographies. So... Liz, I'm wondering if you can think way back to when you were 18, 19, 20 years old. Um, 
and where were you, and what were the influences on your life, and how has that shaped where you've gone since? Ah, thanks, Jacob. Well, I'm 62 years old right now. So I was uh, that age back in the early 80s, late 70s, early 80s. And I grew up in a community that still had a lot of the remnants of what feels like, mm, yeah, a bit of a different era insofar as there was lots of singing just naturally as part of life in suburban St. Paul where I grew up between church and school and clubs singing was just part of things and um, I watched lots of musicals on the TV (laughs) with my dad and mom and really got the notion that once I got out in the real world beyond Roseville that the singing was just gonna bust open like it did on the musicals whereas communities would just rise up in song instantaneously because they all knew the same song and it was appropriate for that moment and that song was what was needed and I got out of uh, when I left Roseville Minnesota when I was 18 um, and did some traveling first in Bolivia and other places where there was music on the streets and music embedded in, in, in these other cultures. And then came back and went to a college thinking that I would study music and expecting to, f- to find that, that world of music everywhere. I started getting uh, connected with the world where music is only for certain people who have certain training and can sing it only at certain times when they've practiced enough and gotten it perfect enough. Um, And I didn't know what was going on, but I just knew that I needed to run away from that. I loved and still love going to concerts where people have done all that practicing and are presenting in a formal way. I respect and love and need access to that. But that wasn't what I was needing. And it actually took me mm, a lot of years to find this world that we call community singing, which is a super broad, amorphous term, but that's almost a good thing, right? Because who gets to say what's community singing? It depends on who you are and where you are. But all voices welcomed singing embedded in daily life songs that aren't about perfection, songs that aren't about performance, but rather about building community through shared voices. Um, So yeah, it was a a number of years um, of me like getting out my guitar and some books and trying to trick people into coming to my house or whatever by saying we're going to eat, but then actually for singing (laughs) bait and switch (laughs) and then like not really knowing how to make it happen for the people who didn't already know the songs because I didn't I didn't I didn't feel like I should take up the time or something being the leader and saying here's how to sing the song so it was just halting for me and then at one point um, somebody showed up in my community who shared a song that she taught by oral tradition, um, just laid the parts out on the different people that were there. 
And I watched that and I felt the magic of that we weren't looking down at books. Nobody had to already have known the song. Mm -hmm. We were suddenly a beautiful group. I would say choir, but I think for a lot of people, the word choir sounds formal and like it's what other people do and not us. But a holy choir that is accessible to all of us in this way. And I just went, that's it and sought that and came upon this movement. I will say movement, and that is something that growing up in the 60s, I always wanted to be part of the movements that were going on out there in the wider world when Mm -hmm. I was a little girl. The peace movement, women's movement, civil rights movement, environmental movement. They come going and going, and then by the time it got to the 80s, those things were quieted down, so I'm like, where is the feeling of something that's way bigger than me that I can be part of and contribute to and I can feel it rolling on? And this community singing movement definitely feels like that. I've seen its growth in the last 10, 15 years that I've been part of it. And I'm seeing how the songs just compel us to sing them and pull us together and pull me from my home community where I stayed put for 30 some years to other places because I want to sing with people and people want the songs and there's all this cross-pollination going on between communities through the lure of the songs so that's that about 18 to 22 if that's the time frame you're talking about was Mm -hmm. like where am I going what am I doing where is the songs how to do it and taking all the paths that were sometimes dead ends and sometimes threads that I only later realized were important ones. But, you know, as with something that you care about deeply, you just have to keep going, even when it's there's a lot of falling down on the way. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's a, I think the trajectory there of, you know, seeking, seeking community around singing, mm-hmm. seeking, you know, places for authentic, you know, interaction through music is something that it's a powerful thread in in if we look at the history of our, our culture in the last say 100 and 120 years right there's there's a way that music the arts many things have been specialized been made to, into the province of experts and you know, even even in a small community there's you know people who sing in the choir and people who don't right yeah. and um and that's of course very odd that's not the way that 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 most cultures have been throughout history yeah. um and yeah, maybe could you say just a bit more? I mean, this is this this about like what does music specifically do in the building of of community or building of a movement? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's scientific language that people are using now about like co-regulation and things like that. Vibrating together. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yay for all that. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people send me articles about all that, and I'm like, yeah. Know okay. that already. I, I know. <laughs> we know that. Um, but w- w- maybe the 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 more poetic way that I like to think of it is that that singing is the most an- ancient technology of belonging, and a way that we can practice community in in just the way that we mean to. Insofar as no one of us is the most important one, or the one that has all the answers, or all the words to the song or all the nailing of tones or anything but collectively we do have it and only collectively so um, no perfectionism of an individual is required yeah and my understanding from reading history of of this movement and of singing and community 
is that it, it wasn't until the last 50, 75 years that this, these, this shift happened where singing became the province of, of certain people and not others and had to do with, with some technologies of you know, what you could do to put something on the radio and have it sound perfect and tweaked and all that. Um, it also is because of the fact that singing is, as, as we say, sing, voice is the muscle of the soul. Those are the words of Alfred Wolfson, uh, a, a healer of voice that, uh, that, that healed his own voice after being in the Second World War. Um, voice is the muscle of the soul. And it's as such, it's very, very tender and precious to us, our voice and what it is in a, as an expression of us. And so if, like if I'm a guitar player and somebody tells me that I've got, I'm getting my fingering wrong or something, mm -hmm. well, I can just work on it harder and become a better technician of that. But if somebody tells me my, that my voice sucks mm -hmm. <laughs> or even looks at me askance when I'm singing next to them, like, are you kidding me? That sounded Or my favorite uncle says, you should probably not sing right now. Or my choir director asks me to lip sync. Or all my friends get into the choir, but I don't. Like, the, the littlest seeming thing can actually cause a person to close up their voice and be like mm, not it's too risky i can't i have to hold it here so as we say as my teacher siobhan robinson taught me a long time ago um as as w many childhood wounds might require years and years of therapy but the singing wound can actually be healed by singing in a loving, compassionate space with other people that is not for sounding perfect, but is rather for building community. Um, I've learned that there's actually uh, some I think a muscle in the ear that's connected with the vagus nerve mm. that when we get that wounding, when we're told that we can't sing, that it, it shifts so that it's harder to hear tones and therefore harder to match tones and therefore it's just a downward spiral. Wow. But when we are singing, the, the healing can come. It, it shifts back and we're able to hear better and sing more along when we're in a safe community. So, wow, talk about a great tool for healing, healing community and individuals. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Amy? Yes. Do you want to take us back? 18, 19, 20 years yeah. old? Gosh. Yes. So <laughs> when, I was, when I was that young, I, was, I had just come out of, um, you know, many years of church life and experience and loved church so much, loved singing, loved being in that kind of community, but also had this kind of reckoning with myself of what I believed and what I didn't believe. And so, um, yeah, left, left that world and, you know, did all the things. Well, went to college, went to another country and lived for mm -hmm. a while, um, had some children and, you know, wanted 
wanted that feeling that I had when I was in church, but how can you have those kinds of feelings of like connecting with a group and um, if you don't have that and that's not what you believe in. And um, when I, when my kids were small, well, I should say, as far as like singing experiences go, I mean, I remember being a young girl and just being like walking on the beach <laughs> and like singing my heart out to the moon, just like singing so loud. I think I was singing um, like, don't cry for me, Argentina. <laughs> and just like, you know, communing with the nature and the beauty of it all and just knowing like through my singing that I was going deeper into that experience or, you know, doing that in a church setting. Um, I remember when I met Liz just being, you know, like just everything in my body being like, yes, 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 yes. This is what I need. This is what I want. And, um, yeah, mm -hmm. I remember the feeling of being so uncomfortable in it all too. So I know I, I can really like, um, have a lot of compassion for people who are uncomfortable when they first encounter it. But, um, yeah, through the great opportunity I've had to um, sing and sing with mm -hmm. my family, I should say. Mm -hmm. To sing with my family is an incredible thing that I've had since my kids have been small. And wow, has that been amazing for us. Yeah. Yeah, that's powerful. I, mean, I grew up in, in a household that did a lot of singing together. Mm -hmm. um, and we... You know, yeah, some of those were, were church songs. We sang in the church choir and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. those, you know, but a lot of the people that we spent time with were not churchgoers or didn't have that set of songs, mm -hmm. right? And so that that was a, kind of a barrier to singing as a group. Yeah. And and then a lot, you know, people know pop songs, but a lot of those don't transfer very well into like singing as a group. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I think one of the remarkable things, important things about this community singing movement is these are, for the most part, new songs that are relatively short and teachable but but and also contain very powerful messages and images that are that are accessible to people of all kind of different persuasions and backgrounds totally yeah yeah there are gr old songs that mean a lot to people from older generations because you know cozy feelings about singing when they were young like take me out to the ball game <laughs> or things like that and I'll I'll honor to those songs and their meaning mm -hmm. Um, but in the community singing movement, we tend to more sing songs that have specific connection to our feelings and needs of now. And so they'll be songs of honoring of nature, songs of pleasure and joy and happiness, and songs of grief and <laughs> care, songs of comfort and healing, um, uh, yeah, songs for particular plants. I heard, I learned from 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 somebody that in the rainforest the plant healers there have a different song for each plant and each part of the plant and each part of the plant at each season for the remembering of what of the powers of that plant and i just what i see coming right now is be, among all the different people who are writing songs or sometimes people people call it catching songs whatever mm -hmm. learning finding songs that they that they write and sharing them with people i see that we're that we're populating 
are, are addressing our needs for connection to nature through being able to sing a song that honors a certain plant. And I, I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's in my lifetime, but I see it coming where there's just going to be songs for each part of the day, each season of the year. That's another realm is songs right. for the for different mm-hmm. seasons, songs for the seasons of a life, for birth, death, songs for the seasons of a day, meals, nap time, going to sleep, lullabies, all those kinds of things. Yeah, just if you think of a whole day, I mean, this is totally geeky me <laughs> but if you think of a whole day with songs all the way through it it is possible and yeah. even if it's just in one's mind I wanted to also say that yeah also songs for activism mm-hmm. for taking courage coming together um, so many movements of the past have had song as the engine that holds it all together civil rights movement certainly we know from hearing Issei Barnwell and different people talk about that time that it was the songs that enabled people to come together and find their courage to go out and do what they did Um, and as such I would say that all of the community singing that we do is activism Mm -hmm. it's it's activism it's in the in the language of of today it's like joyful courageous resistance against the if you want to say capitalist machine like the that the 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 forces that tell us that we're not enough that, that we're, we're alone that we're alone mm-hmm. that we have to muscle through alone that we'll never be enough mm-hmm. that we need we need to buy stuff or go somewhere else in order to find happiness and joy and connection yeah yeah singing is just like boom no we got this we got this right here together yeah and when and i just to um speak to that a little bit more like the feeling of having a community of people that knows the same songs that you can like um get together and sort of like just process and feel the like the the grief of the world, or just like the the or the joy of just like being a human being and having people who you love around you. I mean, if it's like it's just like an incredible, it's an incredible mm-hmm. feeling, and to everybody know all the different parts of a different song, and just to be able to like sing your love to each other or your gratitude mm-hmm. to each other or. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, it's not. It's, it's not trying to be a replacement for for worship communities. No, but yeah. for those who are looking for something in addition to a worship community or something that reminds them of one they may, used to be part of, it totally hits the nail on the head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that that's an important dynamic that we've been exploring actually in the podcast in other ways. Right, there's a way that the that that impulse towards you could say worship or just a sense of the divine, right, the the, the transcendent is is in a way has been siloed you know even if you do have a religious practice it only happens in a few you know, one hour on a sunday or something like that um mm-hmm. whereas i think my experience of 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 the coming of the community singing movement here to Morocco and to this community um is it's a great you know opening up of of all the things we didn't know that we were missing mm-hmm. you know um Thoreau college we sing every day now every morning um, and there is, as you say, out of this 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 new upwelling um, of of song, 
there is the right song for every occasion, right? Um, so we're speaking here today on, on November the second, on All, All Souls Day. Um, <clears throat> the you know, and uh, the excuse here for for Liz uh, to be in Viroqua is the, the high school's um, Day of the Dead, Ancestors Day celebration, um, honoring of those who have passed in the past year and our and other people who from our ancestry. And you know, there's such a rich kind of pool of songs connected with 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 that coming out of this tradition and. I just, you know, since like they're, they're, they're the songs to the right occasion, people are familiar with Christmas songs and with happy birthday. And that's about it, right? There's so much other richness to life that, that, that now this community has. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's, it's such an incredible gift. And it's enrichment to every moment. Yeah. 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 Can we hear another one? Can we sing a song? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How about this song that is part of the a, a, a subsection of community singing, which is people who have a body of songs that they bring and sing to those in need of a song. Mm-hmm. Maybe because they just had surgery or are about to go on a big journey or about to put their horse down or just had a parent who died or are about to die themselves or just graduated from a program that they work, you know, <laughs> transition <laughs> to things that, um, thresholds of life. And this is a song that we often sing for folks in that, in that setting. And we, for me, is just a small group of people that goes, you know, four to six people goes to a house or a hospital room or a park and offers a, I guess you'd call it a private concert of 20 minutes or so of singing right for the person. It's a beautiful reciprocal gift, a way to give something and receive the beauty of having given. And so this is a song by Barbara McAfee, and it's called I Wish That I Could Show You. It's from the words of the ancient poet Rumi. Goes like this, and I'm going to teach it to you in the way that we would in the community singing Great. world. So, if anybody's listening, they could sing along when sing along. when these three <laughs> join us. So, I wish that I could show you. I wish that I could show you. Try it. I wish that I could show you. I wish that I could show you. Whenever you are lonely or walking in the dark Whenever you are lonely or walking in the dark I wish that I could show you 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 The astonishing light of your being The astonishing light of your being Let's just sing it all the way through. I wish that I could show you. I wish that I could show you. Whenever you're lonely. Whenever you are lonely or walking in the dark. I wish. I wish that I could show you. 
I wish that I could astonish show you the astonishing light of your being. You guys keep it going. I wish that I could show you. I wish that I could show you. Whenever you are lonely or walking in the dark, I wish that I could show you. I wish that I could show you the astonishing light of your being. Astonishing. The astonishing light of your being. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. So that's that's a great example. I use that song for people having a hard time. Yeah, it's always true. Right, mm-hmm. it's always true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, beautiful. So Liz, I wanted to, to to step back a little bit to your biography and um, just to paint a picture of your community building in other regards. Um, in your your hometown there in in Decorah, Iowa, which is a, a beautiful place, the beautiful driftless corner of, of Iowa, um, about yeah on the other side of the Mississippi River from where we're speaking now, um, manifested in several different ways over the past several decades. Most recently as the, the Center for Belonging Folk School and flowed into the to the broader global folk school movement. But can you talk a bit about about the 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 groups and and in your work there in in your community and mm-hmm. and uh, yeah what are sort of things you've been up to there <laughs> yeah oh my gosh a lifetime yeah. a lifetime <laughs> too of broad, maybe. loving and caring and mm-hmm. connecting people well <laughs> I would like to give gratitude to my parents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> who always said yes to my crazy ideas and never <laughs> never gave me the sense that my wish for how things could be was crazy, yeah. And so it just came into my life there. I chose Decorah as a place to live when I was 19, attracted by the landscape and the life there. And chose that place and really... Again, like I said, with the singing, expected it to be out there in the world in the way that I imagined it, like expected that to be in the place that I chose and just kind of proceeded as though it were true. (laughs) Like, of course, we gather and are intergenerational and have our elders among us. And of course, we love up the children and play with them. And of course, we have ways of listening to spirit together and um, of course we have intergenerational celebrations for all the seasons of the year and we have singing at them and learning and sharing and mm-hmm. yes and we and oh we can gather and talk about and create things that are important to us even though we don't have degrees or certification or insurance or <laughs> any of the things that the world seems to say like you have to be like this and so yeah um we started a little little group called Pleasant Valley it was named that because somebody had donated a a school an old stone schoolhouse to our little emerging group that was asking questions about like what is education and 
is more than just for children. It's like for all of us. And how does that work? And asking big questions. And somebody donated the schoolhouse to us. And we were going to fix it up and have it as our community center. But we were busy <laughs> raising kids and <laughs> working jobs and all those things. So anyway, we continued together. And it's just been a winding road through the years of having hosting these things we call Lyceum, where a person who has an interest or a curiosity or perhaps a skill in something, maybe it's talking about death and dying and what that means in our society now. Maybe it's making kites like they used to with their grandpa. Maybe it's showing jump rope tricks. Maybe it's cracking black walnuts together maybe it's mending things together just the pe things that people do that you wouldn't know about necessarily their interests passions or skills or backgrounds unless you make a space for it and invite it in there's just treasures in every community that are undiscovered mm -hmm. and so we made this vehicle for inviting in people's curiosities where they can just like have a lyceum that is say invite people to your house or to a park for an hour or two hours or four times over the next week whatever <laughs> say how many people can come have it it's over it's done and it's not done because those relationships have been built and it resounds in the community it's all in person um, yeah so that has been going on for a long time and there's some things there's a little little Waldorf preschool that was that sprouted out of it and other many other things because people have this way to gather I love about it that when I when anybody has wants to hold a lyceum instead of going okay I think this person this person this person would be interested in it which maybe they would or maybe they wouldn't and maybe <laughs> they wouldn't actually come and maybe I'd be really disappointed because I thought they would want to <laughs> Instead, I put it out on, now in the modern time, we have a listserv. I put it out on the listserv, 120 or so households, and I'll be darned, the people come who were meant to come, and they come with enthusiasm, and I would have never thought to include this particular group. So, um, yeah, we have that Pleasant Valley, and then that, for me, has been the groundwork for the Center for Belonging Folk School, which we just started there where we live on our little piece of land in 2020, which is a gazebo in the woods. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I have always admired folk schools as a really important way for people to gather and make community and make change and be active on a local level. Um, but I never dreamed that I could have a folk school because they always seemed to like more infrastructure and more s staffing and more money than I really wanted to have to deal with myself. But I've learned through the my engagement with the folk school movement in the last couple of years that a folk school can be anything, including your kitchen table. Mm -hmm. It's the form of inviting people together from the community to do what is important <clears throat> to them. And so... Um, through a bunch of magic connections that had to do with song and had to do with Mr. Jacob Hunt, <laughs> who brought <laughs> a song to the Folk School Alliance where a woman named Dawn Murphy, who you've had on your podcast, heard the song and went, whoa, 
we need more songs like that in the in the North American folk school movement. Then she reached out to me. We had just built this gazebo. We were doing stuff like the Lyceum there. She said, we went, and I went, wait, 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 folk school? I think I just started a folk school <laughs> in the woods. <laughs> and thus things have developed. With so much gratitude to it all. Anyways, at that place, we do what in Pleasant Valley we call Lyceum. Like, let's gather for this, for that. And then because it's at <coughs> my place, it's like, and let's make sure there's some singing mm -hmm. at it. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then just to say a little bit more about Dawn and the Folk School Alliance. Mm -hmm. uh, Dawn mm -hmm. is a person who was raised up in song embedded in culture as well. And what happened, I think, when she heard Jacob sing that song at the Folk School Alliance meeting was she went, oh, that's something that's missing in the folk school movement because she knows from her all of her work with folk schools also in Europe that it, there in the place that is the birthplace of, of North American folk schools or the lineage of them, that song and dance were embedded in the daily culture of the folk schools. And for whatever reasons that Dawn could go, go into, I'm sure, it hasn't been happening in American folk schools. They just headed more specifically toward craft, which is awesome and is also part of the European folk schools. But the songs never, in most American folk schools, not all of them, but in the majority, song hasn't been part of it. And she's just going, whoa, it's time. There's a movement that would overlay yeah. the American folk schools very easily, and so let's get that going. So now... She has figured out a way to have grants and such involved in helping people, and I get to be a big part of this, go to folk schools and um, teach song leading and bring songs so that I am sure what's going to happen is that the people that are there during the singing times as participants perhaps in basket making or whatever it might be, are going to hear the singing, are going to be part of the singing because it's going to be happening where they're, and they're going to be like, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> next phase, folk school. And they're going to come back the next time expecting that, and it will happen because the songs are easy to learn and remember, right. and there are song leaders springing up all over the continent. <laughs> yeah, so if you if that sounds like something you want to get involved with, there is an opportunity right here um, coming up, um, several ways actually, but um, in January, Liz and Don Murphy actually will be coming back to, to Viroqua for a song leader training um, in late January. So be checking out the, the Driftless Folk School website for that. We can link to that as well. But that's last a, weekend of January. Last mm -hmm. weekend, January 2024. Um, and uh, yeah, and elsewhere around the country. Is that a couple others coming up, but n none others scheduled after January yet. Yep. They're, but they're, they're happening thing for sure. Because that's at this point in my life, I'm pretty sure that's the one of the most important things that I can be doing to help the movement is to be helping yeah. bring up more song leaders and yeah, it's Absolutely. pretty exciting work. Thank yeah, you. I mean, singing clearly is an important part of this, the, the folk high school, the folk school movement, going back to its origins. Um, Nikolai Frederick Severn Grunfi, the, uh, the kind of originator of this idea, was a writer of hymns. Uh, if you open a Danish hymnal, it's about half of the songs are written by Grundvig, apparently. Um, and, and to this day, I've had some interactions with Danish folk schools on Zoom, 
And if anyone has ever tried to sing over Zoom, right, doesn't work very well. But the folk school folks in in Denmark, it's so important that they will do it. (laughs) They will sing over Zoom no matter how, like, cacophonous it is. Um, So that's commitment. (laughs) (laughs) And and just, I I guess, one other thought that comes from that, one of the other early kind of manifestations of the folk school idea in in North America was the Highlander Folk School um, in Tennessee, which played this really pivotal role in the in the civil rights movement including being the incubator and transmitter of some of these powerful songs which yeah. articulated that movement um we shall overcome and and other songs like that were kind of kind of updated and and kind of and and, and really taught at those places by by all kinds of singers you know pete Seeger, martin luther king and everyone else involved you know in those people yes highlander is one of the folk schools that absolutely had singing embedded as an essential part of its work and how how important it was and is to those to the movements, as you're yeah. saying, right? Having having you know be able to communicate a big group of people singing together is yeah. so powerful. Yep, I would just want to correct. I said had Highlander still exists yes. and still has singing. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, beautiful. Um, so maybe you're not ready to be a song leader, you think, but maybe you just want to do some more singing. Um, one of the other exciting ways uh, that you could get involved with and have an experience like this here in Viroqua over the next coming months is what is we're calling the Artist in Resonance series. Yeah. So, Amy, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. I, first, the artist in, the name Artist in Residence. I was listening Resonance. to the, Resonance, that, that podcast, um, The Emerald. I can't remember even what episode it was, but it it's was got about... Resonance in the it name, was about, right? Yeah, it's, Resonance. It's called On Resonance. On Resonance. Caves hooves, hearts, harps, and the birth of culture. Yes, that. <laughs> and after I listened to it, I was like, really excited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. What was your question? What's going tell on? Us about, oh, tell, tell us about this series. Sure. Yeah. So I guess it, it well, it definitely came from a conversation that I had. I, I, I stopped feeling like I wanted to push people to sing around me, uh, you know, quite a few years ago, like, um, I'll just enjoy singing with the people who I know want to sing with me. Mm. And then, um, I'm involved in the youth initiative high school here in Viroqua because, um, my sons go there and I teach there some, and, um, I've noticed that singing's not, hasn't been happening very much there and Ben's just sort of resigned in some ways to it and then recently some of the teachers were last year they were saying we really want music back how do we do that yeah this is one of the impacts of covid right yeah. some some of those things fell yeah, off yeah or right or yes totally totally or students you know we uh, what we had built up in there you know when it wasn't happening for a while and people forget we're singing people so that they were saying we want this to happen and i was like well I'm really in a unique position in that I do have this community that I sing with all the time, and I see these people many times a year, and um, why don't I just invite them? Yeah. And so that's <laughs> that's what I did. You know, sometimes some kind of organizing is like feels like a a slog, and this it does not feel like a slog at all. It just feels so like fun and exciting and joyful, and so we have. Um, five, Liz being the first one. So we have four other folks coming as guests 
to our community who are going to sing in the school at Youth Initiative um, and also with the, the uh, Thoreau College young students. I just feel like singing with young people is so important. And with the community at large, right? And Yes, yes. But just wanted to say, I just feel like, I feel a lot of like sadness for young people and the position that they're in and their isolation yeah. and just sort of the all the things that they're struggling with and to give them the tool of singing together and processing some of that as a group feels like really important. Absolutely. And um, and also with the broader community, like for them to also feel for the for young people also to be singing with the entire community also feels really important because they are not alone, isolated. We put our teenagers in these this like you are teenagers and this is where you are, and so to have <laughs> them have them be able to experience that feeling of singing with um, people of all ages in a wider. I want that. I know how. I know how um, important it has been for my kids, mm -hmm. and I just want that for yeah. everyone. So we just had the first edition of this, so we're in the middle yes, of it right now. Yes, we're in the middle of it. So yesterday we had, you know, a couple of sessions, extended sessions, singing with with with, with Liz mm -hmm. at with the high school students and the Thoreau College students, yes. um, and then in the evening there was another um, circle opened up to. The wider community. And, and there are people who traveled yeah. across the state there. There are people who brought their, their toddlers. Mm -hmm. um, and it was really intergenerational yeah. and, and really regional kind of singing. And so that will happen again tonight and, and then four other times throughout the next throughout the school year. Yes. Yeah. Do you want to just mention some of the other singers you have coming in? Yeah, Barbara McAfee, who we that was who we sang the um, Astonishing Life the previous song, song yeah. that we just sang. Um, Lindsay Scott, who's from... Rantoul, Illinois. She's coming. Um, Serena Partridge, who is a songwriter, song leader, activist, awesome woman up in Minneapolis. And um, Annie Schlafer and Linnea. They're like a dynamic duo community. Mm. Lennon building. and McCartney, yeah. <laughs> Linnea Champ. Linnea Champ. Who's Linnea? I don't know who Linnea is. The Beatles, McCartney. right? <laughs> A songwriting duo. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Linnea Champ and Annie Schlieffer. Anyway, they're awesome also. Just such great folks yeah. to sing with. And then Amy puts us up at her family home and feeds us and like sleep over time. Really <laughs> <laughs> she invited her friends over yeah. to sing in Viroqua. <laughs> Yeah, so check yeah. that out. This, this mm -hmm. it's a super exciting new initiative here connected with the Driffus Folk School and Thoreau College yeah. and the Youth Initiative High School and just totally yeah, a way to, to yeah, yeah. teach and share and sing some, a lot of more of these songs. Yeah. Um, and, and Liz, you know, our listeners are all over the world, all over the country. Are there other places that people might connect with the community song movement outside of the, the Midwest or, you know, um, or indeed in, in Decora? I know you've, you've, you've run Village Fire there for a number of years and mm -hmm. are there other places where people can, can yeah. connect? Yeah. Yeah, there, there was a website that I'm not sure is active right now or not, was called Sing Worldwide. It was through Lisa Littlebird. So that was her attempt to gather, to make a, a resource like that. I was just looking at her website just a few days ago, and she has an amazing 
archive of oh archive of songs songs oh my goodness mm. it's called the bird sings is her website it is amazing and you can learn songs off of it and everything but in terms of gathering um one thing i want to say is i think that that we are in the in the midst of a big growing of song camps mm-hmm. i think that's a mm-hmm. really an awareness that a lot of us are having is that gathering more than just for an hour and a half or whatever but gathering outside intergenerational mm-hmm. over some period of days and nights and there's like the tools for for doing that together and for bringing in other practices beyond just singing but cultural practices that we can that we can practice together is a, is an emerging ever emerging movement but i feel it really growing right now so um but how to find out about those? Well, I think it's with so as so many things, just finding one of the doorways in through a connection, through showing up at a thing, meeting people, finding more resources. That's probably the oldest way and mm-hmm. still current way of finding one's way in, showing up. And um, one of those doorways that some people might want to know about is the is called music that makes community, which is the. Um, I think it started as specifically Christian, but I think now it's uh, any religion practicing tools of community singing. They call it paperless singing, not trying to get rid of hymnals or written songs but rather add in also the capacity to do the kind of singing that enables you to look up so the kinds of songs that are easier to learn by ear Um, music that makes community is one doorway in going to camps is another the ubuntu choir network u-b-u-n-t-u ubuntu being a is it swahili Swahili. some south african where that means i am because we are and archbishop Desmond Tutu gave permission to the community singing, this branch of the community singing movement, to use that term for their their umbrella term, umbrella name. Ubuntu Choir Network lists all of the people and groups that have formed through one of the branches, community choir leadership training. Um, yeah, those are a few things, mm-hmm. places to look. And I think the word community singing is often enough used that if a person were going to use a computer to search they might look like put in community singing in mm-hmm. their area find find ideas mm-hmm. yeah or just you can invite some of your friends over who like to sing mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and start learn, singing learn a couple of the mm-hmm. songs that we've sung today or off of Lisa Littlebird's site mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah excellent beautiful yeah, I, I think you know something that that I'm really passionate about. You know, I think it's part of what folk schools are about, micro colleges, and 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 the, and the work that you're doing around singing is that, you know, our our cultural moment is one which we need to do whatever we do intentionally, right? We are no longer carried along by ancestral tradition in the same way that that maybe people at other times and places have been, right? And um, but I think this, what you're doing, and 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 generally the the growth of the folk school movements is is just a sign that it's possible. You can do it, and there's a richness to, to 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 doing things on purpose intentionally, and that 
also applies to food and to child rearing and to land stewardship and we, we, we all of these things that are that are important of being a holistic kind of life of human beings on the land on the earth and with each other is we can do it and and the songs contain a lot of important lessons yeah. for how to do it yeah as well as the glue to, to hold the community together two quotes that come to mind one from Rezba Menachem which is change culture and you change the future mm-hmm and the other is from Tony K. Bambara. She said back in the 80s, she said, the role of the artist is to make the revolution irresistible. <laughs> and it does feel like the songs and the singing of them has that power to make the revolution, if you want to use that term, but the the chain revolution being turned, change transformation, mm-hmm. make it irresistible. Also, Issei Barnwell of the Sweet Honey in the Rock group that was singing a lot in the civil rights movement and beyond. Um, she talks about how about the power of songs in movements. Many of the things, uh, one of the th- one of the aspects of the power is that if you imagine a, a rally, a march along the streets of people standing up for what they care about, and they're just walking without making sounds, or they're even even chanting, in my book is a whole different thing from from singing because it has just a drivingness to it. Um, the people on the sidewalk going, what is this? What is this? are just like, what is this? What is this? If the people are singing together, not only is the message projected, but also it is it is alluring. Like you might step off the sidewalk <laughs> to be a part of a group that has that kind of beauty and connection and power. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. Yeah, so the songs are definitely pulling us together and propelling us forward in our imaginations into this mysterious what's next let's let's be it together absolutely mm-hmm. yeah so this is such such important work and thank you thank you so much for your leadership in it liz yeah. and, and amy this is this is it is it is the work um in many ways so i want to thank you for coming on and um and also would like to go out on a song of course <laughs> This is a song by Serena Partridge, who will be coming to Viroqua. Let your voice be heard. Let your voice be heard. Every sacred word. Every sacred word. Let your song be sung. Mm-hmm. Let, Let your song be sung. Mm-hmm. Truth is on your tongue. Truth is on your tongue. Truth. Truth is on your tongue. Let your voice be heard. Mm-hmm. Let, Let your, your voice, voice be heard. Mm-hmm. Every sacred word. Mm-hmm. 
Truth is on your tongue. Truth is on your tongue. 